Pastor, this is an eight-year-old. This is Jerry. Dear Pastor, if God rested on the seventh day, why do kids still have to go to Sunday school? <laughs> Dear Pastor, my sister and I are selling cookies to make... Th this one makes me think of you. Dear Pastor, my sister and I are selling cookies to make money for the church. So far, we have sold three. Sincerely, Iris, age 11. P.S. My grandma bought two of them. <laughs> You would have bought three, though. Yeah, I'd bought three. This, this one, this one's one of my favorite. Dear Pastor, I would like <laughs> this little boy's ten. Dear Pastor, I would. Would that be Jack's age? No. Okay. Uh, dear Pastor, I would like you to marry me and my girlfriend when we get married someday. Signed, Anthony, age ten. P.S. I'll let you know when I find a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll end with this one. <laughs> this makes me think of a lot of kids. Dear Pastor, I would like to go to heaven someday because I know my brother won't be there. <laughs> Stephen A.J. <laughs> okay, if you got your Bible, let's say it. The Word of God, the word of God is, truth. is truth. If I live the Word, if I, live the word I, will be blessed. I will be blessed. And if I don't, I, no, I, don't. I, won't. I won't. It's just that simple. Just that simple. Turn to your neighbor and tell me it is just that simple. <laughs> Glory to God. I love, I just love humor. I really do. I love, do, are any of you Three Stooge fans? Three Stooges? Oh, I love, I love the Three Stooges. My favorite is when they're laying in a cave, all three of them, and they're laying in this cave. And I know you don't like the Three Stooges, but that's all right. And, and, and I think it's Curly's in the middle. And, and, the guy, and the one on, I, I can't do it justice, but I'm going to find that on a video and bring it in here. Oh, yeah. So the one go, <laughs> he's sniffing, and, and the one on the other side, he starts sniffing, and pretty soon they start sniffing, curling the middle. And they wake him up, and they say, did you take a bath? And he said, I didn't know there was one missing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Romans chapter 12. I, I had the grandkids over one day. I do have a couple of uh, Three Stooges movies, and I thought, oh, they're going to love them. And I put them on. They didn't get it. It went right over their head. I, I was laughing, and they were looking at me like, what is so funny about these guys? Anyway, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. And, uh, honey, the, the message tonight is to keep your mind renewed. And... Uh, what I felt the Lord dropped in my spirit was that I seem to be focused on the end times and what's about to happen. I encourage all of you, read The Harbinger, read Shemitah, get that book. Whatever you need to do, you need to know what time is it. It's important tonight that you know there were tornado warnings. It's important tonight that you know there's a dangerous climate coming through with this front. It's important that you know what to do should the sirens go off. It's important that you are aware of the climate that you live in. Does that make sense to you? Mm -hmm. Turn to your neighbor and say, that makes sense, even in the natural realm. How about in the spiritual realm so that we don't live in kesara, sarah, whatever will be, will be, but we live in the realm of, I want to know what's going to be so that I can be prepared for it. Does that make sense to all of you? And, and so tonight, we're going to be talking about that because in Matthew 24 and 2 Timothy chapter 3, I just wrote down a couple of things, uh, that, that the believer that knows what's going on, that there's not going to be any deception, and that they will endure till the end. Everybody say, that's me. That's tell, me. tell your neighbor, I'm going to endure till the end. 
And then it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that we as believers will be equipped for everything that is about to happen. So to be equipped, honey, we need to know where we are in this walk with the Lord. And uh, what, what came to me was, was keeping your mind renewed. Who controls your remote? Let me see all the husbands and wives that are here together tonight. Okay. Would you say and agree with me that one of you is dominant when it comes to the remote? Yeah, I, I can see in the back row right now, heads, heads are shaking. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> I, I would say you're dominant with remote control. I'm the only one who uses it much. Yeah, that's right. That's correct. That's correct. Because he's always on channel 52. Because I, know, got, I got one channel, and that, but, but, but the remote control. Your remote control will show you, or not show you, but you can put your remote control on any channel that you want. And you can surf around, you can do a whole lot of things with your life and miss the very essence of how God wants to use you. And so who holds your remote? Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, it should be me. It should be me. And if you're here with your mate, this may be the only time you can tell him that. <laughs> it should be. We control how we focus our vision and what channel we're going to watch. And in the realm of the spirit, things are tightening up. And by the way, there aren't 12 planes missing. There are only 11. But go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, it says the children of Issachar, they were one of the tribes in the Old Covenant. It said they understood the times and they knew what to do. Everybody say, understand the times and know what to do. They knew what Israel should do. They, they understood. It's the only tribe they said that really had that understanding uh, and knew what to do. And it's very important uh, for us to know what to do in situations and circumstances and to understand the times. You know, um, I made this reference, I think, when we were sharing last Wednesday. But how many of you know there's just people who don't like you, but you don't have any idea why they don't like you? How many of you got to feel like that? Well, I can tell you why they don't like you, because the spirit of the Lord is in you. And we're in the times, everybody say the times, where the enemy is rising up uh, very, uh, very much in the news, very much in everyday life, uh, rearing his head, saying this, that, and the other thing that's anti the, anti the church, anti the things of God. And so anyone who represents that and in the spirit, everybody say in the spirit, the devil knows who you are. You may not know who you are, but the devil knows who you are and you are a serious threat to him as a believer. And so if you don't understand the times, you'll get upset with people who really are just being uh, controlled by the enemy. It has nothing to do with you. They hate what is in you. Everybody say, Jesus is in me. If, if you took communion tonight, we acknowledge that we belong to God, that we're children of, of the king. And so uh, we belong to a family that the enemy knows we belong to. And so people who are controlled by the enemy will not like you and maybe even not know why they don't. But we have to understand the times that the devil knows his time is short and so his attacks are more prominent. And we know what to do. Everybody say, know what to do. And, and God will show us how to overcome evil through the love of God, through who's on the inside of us, how to handle situations and circumstances so we don't get in the game. How many of you know there's a big game in the world? I mean, it is, there's a fight, but Paul called us to a fight of faith, not a fight that's of this world. And we're going to talk about that tonight. But if your thoughts are scrambled and you don't understand, then you're going to be playing the game with the world. 
That's right. And your mind is going to determine your destiny on this earth. Your spirit, born again through the blood of Jesus, is determined where it's going. It's going to heaven. When you die, your soul and your spirit, as a born-again Christian, you're going to heaven. But on this earth, your destiny will be fulfilled by the dominant thoughts of your mind. And if your mind is renewed, as we're told that it should be, then you'll know the perfect will of God. But if it isn't renewed, you will go the way of the world in many areas of your life. And let me ask you this question. How many of you have made serious mistakes since you've been saved and it was your fault? Can I see your hands? That's because your mind was not renewed and strong enough to keep you from doing what you did. You allowed your will to overrule your mind. Does that make sense to you what I'm saying? And, 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 but when the mind is renewed, then the mind will rule over the will. And the will should be submitted to the will of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, present your body as a living sacrifice. You've heard that before in this church, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be, con but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. There is no excuse for a Christian in battle not to have a renewed mind. And we are in battle. We are in warfare. And just as any of you have been in the military, when you went through boot camp and you went through advanced infantry training, you know what it was like in the Marine Corps, Mike. They, they put you in as real a setting as they can so that you will not cut and run when the real thing happens. But you hear the explosions. You see the live gunfire. You see all of the things. You go through the physical attributes and elements of it so that when the real thing comes, you are ready and you're not going to be fearful and run the other way. They learned that the hard way in the military over the years, all the way back to George Washington. We need to be braced, not fearful. Everybody should love a good fight. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love a good fight. <laughs> good fight. There's only one good fight, by the way. That's the fight you win. You get beat up in a fight, that was not a good fight. You don't go home after getting beat up and say, well, that was really a good fight. He knocked the crap out of me. No, that doesn't work that way. The only good fight you have is the fight of faith when we win. And we win. We, but we have to walk through the fight of faith. But we win this thing. And, and, and I know I get carried away with this sometimes. I, I, I understand that. But to me, the key, the key to life is a renewed mind. And if a person doesn't have a renewed mind, they're the problem. Yeah, and that's our own choice. I mean, that's something we have to do. It doesn't just happen because we get saved. No. You know, the fact that we took communion tonight did not renew your mind. All that does is uh, acknowledge that you belong to the Lord. That's what that acknowledges. It does acknowledge also that you have everything that pertains to life and godliness, because that's what it says in Second Peter 1 yeah. and 2, everything that pertains to life and godliness. It even goes on to say that will help you escape the corruption that's in the world. Everybody say, I have that. But in order to get a revelation of that, we have to know the word of God. We have to have our mind actually change uh, the opinion, if you will, of what is truth. And I know before I was born again, there were things that I thought weren't a big deal. But after I understood the word of God, they were a big deal. In fact, they were such a big deal that that's why I was in the big mess I was in. 
How many of you know that can be true? And so it's very important that we make a decision, and we have preached this in this church from the day we started 25 years ago on renewing your mind to the truth of the Word of God. But you can tell if people's minds are renewed by the way they respond to their circumstances and their situations and what comes out their mouth. Everybody say, out their mouth. You can tell that their mind has been meditating those things that they begin to speak. And it says, out of the abundance of the heart or, you know, what we've absorbed and what we have taken into our mind that we speak those things. So in this day that we're living in, there's never been a more critical time that we know the word of God. Joshua said, meditate the word day and night. There was, I mean, God told that to Joshua. Why? Because he was about to take the promised land. How many of you want to take the promised land? I mean, I want to live in the promised land in these last days to be the example of who God really is and what his children can really have, that we live differently. Well, if we're going to do that, then we're going to have to be prepared for the battle because Joshua, to prepare for the battle, was told to meditate the word day and night. I believe that changed his thought process. I believe that caused him to think the way God would think in the battle, in the heat of the battle. That's a good word. How many of you know your mind is constantly in battle entertaining thoughts? If you didn't raise your hand, raise it because it is true. <laughs> that is exactly where the battlefield is. I think Joyce Myers wrote a book on the battlefield of the mind. The devil wants to get into your thought life. That's what he did with Adam. That's what he did with Eve. That's what he's done all through the old covenant and all through the new covenant. But when your mind is renewed to the perfect will of God, somebody came up to me one day and said, I just don't know what the will of God is. And I said, that's your problem. You don't have your mind renewed. And so how do you know I don't have my mind renewed? Because you don't know the will of God. When you have your mind renewed, you know the will of God. It just pours and pours in. Most of us, myself included, from time to time, uh, will try to convince God that what we want to do is what we should have. But God wants us to renew our mind to the Word of God so we do what He says. This is a military operation, folks. If you have a, Bill Winston has a tremendous series. Matter of fact, he uses a, a, a Marine Corps boot camp training film. I, I was going to show that. We may do that Sunday. We may do that Sunday. He said the body of Christ needs to be trained like they do in the Marine Corps. They bring them in, they strip you down, they take all of your emotions and, and just rob you of them and tell you what they want you to look like, act like, talk like. Now, I understand that in the body of Christ that would be a little bit hard for us to do. But he does that with his leadership. He yeah. does that with the oh, Marine Corps yeah. uh, boot camp training. And the other branches of the service, I'm sure, are the same. But, but that's the only one I'm familiar with. But when you get to the point when you have to be so disciplined that you realize, I can't run this show by myself. I'm working for God. He's the admiral. He's the general. He's in, he's in charge. And whatever he says, I salute him. And I say, that's what it is. So when you get in the Word of God... And you realize that the only way you can know continually the perfect will of God for your life is to have your mind renewed. So when you go to bed at night, the last thing in the world you want to do is have something in your mind that you don't need in your mind. Now, I'm not saying I am perfect in this area. I am not. But the last thing I put in my mind is a good book, Christ-centered, or the Bible, or the Word, and meditate that. I'm not going to watch some silly stuff on television that's going to make me get awake or something like that. Now, you might think, okay, you're getting a little bit fanatical. Folks, we're going through a narrow channel pretty soon, and you're going to have to know. If you're driving a car 30 miles an hour down Highway 52, you don't have to pay too much attention. Well, you do if you're in Lafayette. If you're out of Lafayette heading to Indianapolis, you don't have to pay too much attention. If you're driving 90 mile an hour, you've got to have your head in the game. You shouldn't be driving that fast. But, but. It's not me. 
that would be you trying to warn the truck drivers they're going too fast and they might get stopped by the police. And trying to slow those cars down in yes, front of me. Yes, We pulled off 65 one time and we were driving too fast. See, when you go out to, uh, where is it, uh, Oklahoma, the speed yes. limit is 75. That means you can cruise at 80, 83, 84. But I like to drive fast. I, yes. Well, I tell you what, one, most of you know the story, but one day my daughter for my birthday a few years back bought me a pass to William Petty or to a, a Richard Petty's driving school in Charlotte and it got to go and drive a NASCAR. Oh, glory to God. My time was 130 miles an hour. I'm telling you, driving a car at 130 miles an hour versus driving 70, you talk about an adrenaline rush. I was so excited. And you have a pace car in front of you. He nearly you get, passed the pace car. <laughs> and you get seven laps, and you have to stay behind him, and you push him so the faster you go, the faster he goes, so that he knows you're comfortable and confident doing that. Well, I was confident running right through him. But, but, but. <laughs> So we come up, I did, I wasn't keeping track of my laps and I was on the seventh lap and all of a sudden he's going down like that and I'm coming up around the side of him and I thought, I'm going to pass that guy. I knew I could catch him. And then he's going like this, like I'm supposed to be going in the pits. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm off on a rabbit trail now, but, but the point I was trying to make is you all know what I'm talking about. There are times you better be focused on what you're doing. Electrician wiring a house. You better be focused on what you're doing versus, oh, hey, what do you think, honey? Like, you know, you've got to know. <laughs> Is that he got electrocuted right there? <laughs> Did somebody get electrocuted? I don't know. Is that what you meant? Oh, well, no, no. You can get shot. Oh, shot. Uh, everybody's had 110. Every guy's had 110. How many guys had 110? <laughs> you just can't wait to do it again, can you? <laughs> Oh, I really needed that. <laughs> oh, if you get, ever get shocked with a hundred, if you never had 110 shock, no. oh, we'll do we'll fix that tonight. I'm not going to try to. <laughs> That's not true. I don't want to do that. Now, now, Pam already said this, but Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, when, when this was the whole, Joshua was one of my favorite guys in the whole Bible. He made a serious mistake. He corrected it. He repented of it. But basically, God told Joshua, you meditate the Word of God day and night. You're going to be okay. You're going to be successful. And that that's what we have to do. And that when sudden changes come, it's like, that doesn't surprise me. A lot of times people get surprised it's because they haven't read the book. They don't know what's coming. Like if you walked outside, I don't know, when's the storm supposed to come? I don't know, sometimes. If I walk out after the service and there's a storm, I'm going to go, oh, there's a storm. Where'd it come from? No, they've been predicting this storm for what, four days? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Was that funny? No. Oh. I want, <laughs> but but if, sometimes it never happens, but you still need to be prepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but this is going to happen. Yes. Everything written is going to happen right here. And Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. People who think right are going to do right. People who don't think right aren't going to do right. And that's why we, we need to focus on the Word of God because in Hebrews 4.12, it says the Word of God is more powerful, I'm paraphrasing, than anything in the world. You know, I was thinking, I was just watching the Weather Channel earlier today, and people were driving down a highway, and suddenly the highway turned into a river because... Uh, the earth broke loose out in Utah, and here came all this water. And instead of being on a highway driving their car, they are now in a river. How many of you know that is a suddenly, yep. you know, that, that you would have a hard time being prepared for? And uh, some of the people, you know, were able to get off. 
uh, I heard another man say, you know, I realized all of a sudden there the water was coming in my car. I just turned on a street. It was dark. And they were turned, it was a, a newscaster somewhere, and he just turned on his normal street to go in early in the morning to be on his show, and he turned on the corner, and immediately the water started pouring his car. I had that happen to me in Tulsa. Years ago, I was going home, and uh, my kids, I was living by myself out there, and I had been to hear Brother Roberts actually share about some things, and, and a big storm happened. And I started going home, and all of a sudden, across the field of the City of Faith where they were building it, here came this wall of water. Well, it goes right down into the Arkansas, and there's a big drainage ditch there. And I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, water was running in my car. That is not a good feeling. Everybody say, be prepared. Be prepared. I believe that's what is coming because I've seen it. The Lord showed me when we had a flood over in the Wabash a few years ago, and suddenly the whole golf course was flooded. It was up in the trees. Uh, I think it was one of the worst we've had. And he said, that happened just like that. Yep. You have to be ready for the flood, not just the flood of people that are coming in the last days, but the, the enemy, it says, will rise up like a flood. But the Lord, everybody say the Lord, will raise up a standard against him. Well, we've got to be that standard. We've got to be those people that are prepared for that kind of an assault. And uh, it's real, real when you're watching it on the television and you see these people jumping out of their car and trying to get off the road because the road, it was an interstate turned into a river just like that. Yeah. Boom. And, and, we're, and we're going into some interesting times, and, but if you're living in the will of God and you're hearing from the Holy Spirit through a renewed mind, then you will know what to do and what not to do. And once you get into that point, your faith becomes so strong because you feel that you're always hearing from God and not from man, but from God. I mean, you can hear people say, well, you should have six months of water supply. Well, you should have 12 months of water supply. Well, you should have food to last two years or three years. Folks, I, I haven't heard any of that myself for me personally, but it makes sense to me that if you're going to have a storm, you probably need a little extra water. You probably need a little extra. All you got to do around Lafayette, probably other cities too, is find a big snowstorm warning coming up and the bread's all gone. I guess people just like sit around and eat bread during a storm. I don't know. But it seems like all the bread's all gone. You always find the beer or the wine or you can find cigarettes, but you can't. Well, some people probably take the cigarettes too, don't they? I did. You did. Now, two cartons just in case I was stuck with three kids overnight. Now, in Second Corinthians, how stupid yeah. is that? That's pretty darn dumb. <laughs> I did it. I promise. I don't want any bread. I want beer. <laughs> now, I didn't know if you understand how God births things and makes them happen, Hebrews eleven six says the word of God is full of power. When you speak the word, the power of God by the Spirit goes forth. Hebrews four six, no four twelve. I'm sorry. So therefore, when you're speaking the word of God, the perfect will of God, then that is going forth to accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. That's why it says in Romans 4, 17, when Paul, when, uh, who said it? Who said it? Who said it? No, no, Romans 4, 17. It was uh, Abraham. A Abraham, they were quoting Abraham and how he had so much faith in God because Abraham understood that, that God spoke things that were not 
as if they were. In other words, you're not going to speak with your visual eyes. Oh, my goodness, I'm sick. Oh, my goodness, the world's coming to an end. Oh, my goodness, the government can't take care of me. Oh, my goodness. All those things that, that people in the natural realm say, you're going to speak forth and birth what God's will is at that moment. But if you're an emotional basket case over in the corner, you're not going to be any good to be used in the fight. You have to go take R&R somewhere and say, get them out of the front line because they're letting the enemy in. But if you know what God is saying, you birth that by the words you speak. How many of you realize your words are powerful? Well, I'm, excuse me, God's words are powerful. Yours are powerful too. They can screw up your mind. (laughs) But, but, but our words really and truly people, people are their own. I believe this. I believe the devil's defeated. And if we got a problem, it's the one we see in the mirror. That's true. Thank you for that arousing amen. Amen. (laughs) She has to live with me. (laughs) What a blessing. It's a treat. It's a treat. Well, you know, the words, if if you you have to believe this, if you don't believe anything else, the word of God in itself has power to change. Yep. It has nothing to do with you. It's the word that has power to change. Yep. Now, our choice is to speak the word, but we're not going to speak it if our mind hasn't been renewed to it. Yep. But if we speak it, it will create in us, in us from the inside out, a new person. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, it says in Hebrews 4.12. But it isn't just sharp. It actually has power to change. Yeah. I know that from my own life. When God started teaching me about speaking the word over my life, and he had me quote the scriptures over my life from Ephesians 1, 17, and on down to the end of that chapter, and Ephesians 4, 3, it was 14 through 21, and it, that I am in the family of God, and I will know the height and depth and length and breadth. I began to say that over myself, and it changed me in a year. It totally changed me from being a fearful, hysterical, crazy person mom to a stable person who knew I was loved changed me so much that when I came from Tulsa back to Lafayette and ran into somebody in the store, they didn't even recognize me because my countenance had changed so much from a fearful person to a confident person who knew I was loved. Everybody say the word did that. Not some guy I met. I hadn't met this wonderful man yet. I was just me by myself with three kids. And they were not telling me how wonderful but I was. But I was being prepared. That's right. You were. Hallelujah. But it wasn't my three children that made me feel that way. God didn't put anybody in my life who was speaking to me. He put me alone with the word of God and told me to say it. Now, my thoughts had to be renewed to the word of God. It took a while, but if you say it and you... You say it every day, two or three times a day, like a prescription. It will transform your mind, which in speaking it will transform and create a new you. True. True. That's right. And, and where we get in trouble is with our mouth when we open it and say something that is not based on the perfect will of God. And the mouth is controlled whether you know it or not. Some, some people say, well, I'm quick to say things. How many of you, how many of you, that's you, you're quick to talk, you're quick to open your mouth? One of you. Okay. Hallelujah. Three. And, 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 and as long as your mind is renewed, you're probably okay. But if your mind is not renewed, you can open your mouth and say something and you think, why did I say that later on? You said it because you thought it. You cannot talk and speak words without thinking them. You can't even have pain in your body 
without it going through your mind. That's why a lot of people, well, that's another subject, but, but anyway. But it's really true. Oral Roberts said a lot of people suffer from psychosomatic illnesses. They, they believe it so much that they run it through their mind. It goes back to that area of their body, and they manifest it. And, and, and that's a whole other subject. I'm sorry. But, but, but I want to read uh, or share with you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, because what your mind entertains, it will remain. Have you ever seen, watched television or watched something or stared at something? There's a name for this, and I don't know what it is. But you watch it. It's, it's, it's like subliminal, but it's not. You watch something intently enough, and then you close your eyes, and you can see the outline. You know, it comes from the retina. It's, it's a medical thing. Do anybody know what I'm talking about? Nobody. Okay, so I act like I know what I'm... Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Sandy knows what I'm talking about. So Sandy can explain to all of you later. All I know is it works <laughs> that you're looking at something intently enough and you close your eyes and you can see it. Well, that works in the realm of the spirit also. What you constantly gaze at and focus on and your attention upon is what you will eventually speak and act out. We all are the same in this. We think, we speak, we act. That's your life. You think... You speak, you act. That, that all of us are exactly the same. And it says in Second Corinthians that, that, we, that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, and darkness, but that we have to meditate the Word of God. Because if we don't, then our mind that thinks constant thoughts. Matter of fact, let me read this here because I'm getting too many words in there. For, uh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. All strongholds are in the mind. Casting down every argument, or, uh, casting down arguments and every high thing that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing, and this is it, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every single thought is what we are called to do. You know, when the enemy attacks your mind, oftentimes it's like a, a machine gun kind of a, a process. Have you ever experienced that? Where, you know, you try to get that thought and then another thought and then that thought and then another thought and then that. And, and it is sometimes difficult to bring them into captivity. But what does it mean into captivity? It means to get a hold of that thought and examine it in light of what the truth of the word is, not just grab a hold of it and look at it, but examine it in light of the word. Everybody say in light of the word. In other words, is this a godly thought? You know, it says in Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. But it also says in first Corinthians chapter two, that we can know what God's thoughts are. And so when we take that thought and we really look at it, the enemy uses thoughts to create disturbed minds. And, and I've had a disturbed mind in my life where it just, it's just like rapid fire. Uh, if it's not one thing, it's something else. How many of you have ever experienced that in the night? Especially in the night when you're, you know, your kind of defenses are down. And you wake up and there's all these thoughts and they're going by so fast, it's hard to even grab a hold of one of them. But the reason this says this is we have to take them into captivity. We have to get a hold of them so we can examine it and throw it out. That's not a God thought and get rid of it. And it is a practice. We have to learn how to do that. That just doesn't happen because we get saved. In other words, when I got saved, my mind was still all messed up. My mind became different, 
the longer I study the Word of God. And today, it helps me because the more I study the Word of God, the more I'm able to capture those thoughts quicker. How many of you know if you let it keep going, pretty soon you don't even know what you're thinking? That's a good word, honey. You know, I'm not saying that every person that has a troubled mind is the problem because there can be medical problems of the way you're wired and some people are, are not wired quite right and they need medication and they need extra help and all that I understand but it has been my experience in the body of Christ that most people are their own problem and the reason is because they think wrong thoughts a a renewed mind will be at perfect peace turn to your neighbor and say I want that I want that. And in Isaiah 26.3, this is what it says. God will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed upon him, meaning focused. You will be in total peace, perfect peace, if your mind is totally focused upon God and not on situations and circumstances. Does that make sense? Yes. What is almost seemingly more real than God and focusing upon him? It's all the things going on around you. It's all the challenges, all the situations, all the things you're going through your mind. But yet we should not be thinking about them. Now, they'll come to your mind, but we then cast them out immediately and say, I refuse that thought. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God will supply all my needs. I refuse to think any thought that is contrary to the word of God. When we do that, it sets us on a plane of having that perfect peace and entertaining. And if you do it, people will think you're, there's something wrong with you. They'll think, don't you care about all the problems? Not really. What I care about is the solutions. Does that make sense to you? What I care about is what does God think about this situation? And then that becomes the birthing point of the power of God coming through our mouth that we birth forth the will of God. Uh, an erratic mind cannot hear from God. That's just true. When your mind is going all over the place, it is impossible to hear from God. A mind at peace can hear from God. And that's why God says, keep your mind on me. Yep. Keep your thoughts centered on me. I cannot tell you the number of answers that God has given me when I've been in the word of God and I wasn't even reading anything that had to do with what I was having a, a, a problem with and wanted an answer to. Yeah. It was just because when I'm reading the Word of God, I've settled my thoughts on the Word. And all of a sudden, God just drops the answer right into my, into my thinking. And, and, and before, you can ask over. How many of you ever ask over and over and over, God, show me, God, show me, God, show me. And then you begin to meditate trying to find that answer, trying to help God actually find it. But if when you put your focus on the word and you begin to read the word, suddenly he answers that question and it isn't even anything to do with what you're reading. Have, have any of you ever experienced that? And that's, that's what, that's an example of a mind that stayed on him. In other words, just putting your mind on the word of God or when I've been worshiping, sometimes when I'm up here worshiping, playing the keyboard on Sunday morning, God will give me like the beginning of a whole message. And all I'm doing is singing a song of worship to the Lord. Why? Because my focus is on him. So my mind has been captured <laughs> to only hear from God and not all those other things that I'm normally hearing. And uh, so I, God has a way of bringing us every answer to every situation if we do it his way. 
These, this is, is really powerful, what you just said, honey, because once you're in that vein and in that realm, it's the realm of the Spirit where you're hearing from God and not rehearsing all the stuff that goes on. Just the other day, I was, I was, I was really anguished in my spirit about, about a situation for an individual, and I was praying, and it, it was just causing me to lose my focus. I knew it was, and I just cried out to God. I said, God, I don't know what to do. And this is what I heard. I told you what to do. And it was a very firm word. And I thought, okay, yeah, that's right. I have it in my prayer journal. And it isn't this prayer journal. It's the one before this one. But, but I went back and I found it in my prayer journal. And this is what it said. I'm paraphrasing. Give that person to me, release them, and let it go. I know what they need. But I was taking it back and trying to make it happen. Let me see all the hands of the taker-backers. Excuse me, God, I'll help you here. You're not moving quite fast <laughs> enough for me. No, no, he doesn't need your help. Tell your neighbor, he doesn't need your help. He needs your obedience. And when I read that, and I went back and read it again, I said, oh, God, that is so good. And instantly in my spirit, this is what I heard. I know. I know. And, and it's like, I think God has a wonderful sense of humor. And it was like God was saying, I know it's good. I wrote it. I gave it to you. And so, so it's not just the written word here. But it's the written word in your prayer journal that should be that thing that continually renews your mind. And, and, and then in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, because when your mind is renewed, you'll never be fearful. You'll never be anxious. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in the world there's going to be tribulation. And that tribulation is starting to shake. I mean, you can, you can focus on all of the things going on in the Middle East. You should be aware of those things. You should focus, you could focus on everything else and the economy and everything going on here. But the most important thing to focus on is what is God speaking to us. And in 2 Timothy, it's one of the most powerful scriptures, I believe, in the entire body. It said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. But he's given us power, he's given us love, and he's given us a sound mind. Now, that sound mind can look like anything but a sound mind many times in a believer, but yet that's what they have. It's like, it's like one day I put on a pair of pants and I put my hand in my pocket and had a $20 bill. I say, whoa, I'm not telling Pam, I got a $20 bill in here. I didn't even know it was there, but I had it. I had it all along. We have a sound mind. Yeah. Whether we allow it to stay sound or not is up to us. Have you ever said, and I was thinking of this when you said that a minute ago, I, I've said this to the Lord, I am so tired of thinking about this. Have any of you ever, I am so tired of thinking of this. And I'll say, Lord, could you just fix it? And he said, well, you, yeah, stop thinking about it. I said, fix it. He said, I am. Stop thinking about it. How many of you know God doesn't always fix things the way we want him to fix it? You stop thinking about it, and then your problem will be fixed. But that won't fix what's going on. But that's between them and God. We can't. How many of you have tried to fix people? Just everybody say, that doesn't work. That does not work. I had a situation just recently, and somebody called and said they had a relative that was in a bad situation. Would I call them and talk to them? I said, no. I won't do that because if I call them to talk to them, they're going to think I'm calling and judging them for where they're at. I do know them. I do care about them. I'll pray for them. But if you talk with them, you could tell them they can call me anytime and I'd be happy to talk with them because it has to be initiated by them, not by me, because I can't help somebody who won't help themselves. Have you learned that yet? If you haven't, just take that word and write it down and then put it on your mirror and everywhere else you need it. And especially on, over their name, 
I can't fix it. But I was thinking, I, I have done that many times. Lord, I just, I'm tired of thinking of this. Would you please fix it? And he always fixes me instead of the situation. Now, I know eventually he'll, he will do it. But the, the deterrent to my life is thinking thoughts that God did not tell me to think. And I am so grateful to God that he always fixes you. I know. I know you are. Because you've tried. The other day, the other, the other day I was having, a, 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 I hate to say it, but it was probably a pity party about some things. Have, any, have you ever had that? Only one person shows up. or Sometimes who you and the devil, they'll show up and he'll encourage you. But, uh, but it was about a situation. Well, it was about... It, there, there, I, was, I was getting ready to go to the doctor, and I had a couple things. And here I am preaching on divine health, praying for people. I got a pancreas that scarred. A tooth fell out the other day. I got <laughs> eight stents, uh, uh, a bulge in my back because my muscles are tightening up, and they're not working quite right. And I ended up with two blood clots in my heart. But by golly, I am believing in divine health. Hallelujah. <laughs> So the, the nurse asked me one time, I said, uh, how's your health? And I said, it's great. And then I got to thinking about it. I thought, sure wouldn't look that way on a piece of paper. <laughs> but I was going through that. And here's what I heard. I was, I, it wasn't anything to do with what I was praying. Get yourself organized. Your health's going to hold out until you finish my plan. As you tell other people, get your head back in the game. There's a lot of stuff to be done. Now, that's the way God speaks to me. When I wrote that down, it's like, okay, I can do that. Now, I meditate that. Versus, wait a minute, that still hurts back there. Glory to God. I need another muscle. No, 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 no. God said. Everybody say, God said. God Turn said. to your neighbor and say, God said. God said. And when we are going around saying, God said, God said, God said to ourselves, we are speaking the word of God. And there will be no fear and that soundness of mind. This is how the Bible describes soundness of mind that Paul used when he wrote to Timothy. The word denotes good judgment, disciplined thought patterns, and ability to understand and make right decisions. It includes the quality of self-control and self discipline. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I have, I have self-control, self-control and, self-discipline. and self-discipline. Now turn back to them and say, and if I ever don't show it, and if I ever don't show it even though I don't have it, even though I don't have it, I know. Turn to and if I don't show it, and if I don't show it, even though I never have it, even though I never have it, smack me. We have it. We've been given the victory. We have everything we have need of to have a renewed mind and finish our race strong. I think he's going to make a comeback and get his skillet out. Remember when he said, (laughs) slap him upside the head with a skillet. That's what I'm looking for, my skillet. I I got it in a box somewhere and I can't find it. (laughs) He told a lady once, or no, he preached, I don't care. And she said, I'm not coming back to this church because you don't care. Oh, oh. I said, I don't care how you feel. I don't care how you feel. And that upset her. But in the end, she got it. Everybody say she got it. It was a great word for her. It was a great word for her. And, and God, God. Paula. Paula. Yeah. You know, feelings, uh, feelings can be a trap. And, and if you think on wrong things long enough, your feelings will get involved with you. Don't you know? They will. Yeah, you do feel bad. You poor thing. I don't know why they did that to you. Yep. And then the devil gets in there and says, I think you ought to tell him. See, the devil loves strife. So he always wants you to tell somebody how you feel about it. If you hear that, that's the devil. Because he loves to have a good fight. As long as you're just thinking it, you're just fighting with yourself. But then the devil, when he gets involved, says, just go tell him. 
go straighten them out. Go, go help them. Go help them understand. And then the devil's in on it. And then pretty soon your feelings get involved in it. And you can tell when people's feelings get involved because their voice escalates to different levels. Yes, it does. <laughs> I'm in agreement. Well, it's true. It is true. <laughs> oh, you are going to be in trouble. It says, Lord, <laughs> Lord, I've crossed a line here somewhere. <laughs> you might hear a higher decibel even by tonight. Hallelujah. Um, but that's true. What happens? Your emotions get involved. Everybody say emotions. And when you get emotionally charged, that's when things get said that should never be said. And those are thoughts that you've been meditating. And then we can see what people are really thinking. I mean, we understand what people are thinking. God wants us to not be ever in that position. Our emotions are to be used for good things, not for those kind of things. I know I'm in trouble when she sounds like a soprano. Let's all stand. <laughs> you know, I, I want to clear something. And I know up. I'm in trouble when I see all of his white teeth with him talking like this. I want to... <laughs> I, I do want to clear something up, though, because we have some people that are fairly new here, even visitors. But, but not caring about how you feel, wanting you to feel the way God wants you to feel. Does that make sense? You can feel, oh, so bad. It's like, no, no, God wants you to feel, oh, so good. God wants you to have a positive outlook. And I want to pray for all of you. And then Pam's going to close in prayer. But would you bow your head just for a moment? Do you know if you died tonight, you would go to be with Jesus? And if that answer isn't yes, let it be yes by receiving him tonight. Maybe you're here, you're like a prodigal child, maybe even attending this church, but you know you are not right with God. Let tonight be the night that you let him in. Cleanse you of all of the unrighteousness put you on the path of holiness begin to reveal to you the plan for your life and if you're here tonight and you say pastor pray for me I know my life is not right with God but I want it to be I really do I want you to lift your hand and we're going to pray for you we hope this message encouraged you Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love acceptance and forgiveness of Jesus learn more about us at victorylafayette.org if you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.